have Michelle Majewski, who is a history teacher who also teaches government economics at Anaheim High School for the last 23 years. Welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So um, I want to give a little bit of background, because when I ask my college students to raise their hand, if they can name a school board member or a city council member, it is almost always students from Anaheim School District the, that are the ones with their hands up. And when I ask which teacher taught local politics and government, who got them interested, it is your name, Mrs. Majewski, Anaheim High School, that comes up over and over and over. And there are some others. Uh, you are certainly not the only one, but uh, you are the name that rings in my classroom. And so I wanted to get to meet you. So I'm excited that this gives me the opportunity. And I want to talk to you about civic engagement and your perspective on Proposition 18, which would allow some 17-year-olds to vote in the primary election. So let's start with why your students are the ones who know their city councilmen and work on campaigns and, and understand local government. And thank you, by the way. It, it makes my job a whole lot easier. Well, first, thank you for that very great compliment in sharing with me what my former students say. And I think it, it means a lot to a teacher. I think sometimes you send students out into the world and you wonder if they remember the things they learned in, in your classroom. So that's a great compliment. Yes. Thank you. Um, there's many reasons that I, I started teaching local government. And, and I want to emphasize it wasn't something that I, I did initially. It was something that came to me after a couple of years of teaching it. And, it. and it stems from many different things. The first part of it was just, it stemmed from the curriculum and, and really teaching the concept of federalism and how power is divided in our country between the feds and the states and then within the states by local governments. And I kept getting more and more and more questions from students about that power division. And many of those questions were really centered around local issues. And so for some time, I'd say, well, that's kind of a local issue. And then I realized, well, I'm dismissing things that are important to students. And that's, that was kind of the first spark was I need to um, um, write curriculum. I need to embed uh, local government into my, my course. So they're learning about local just as they are about state and federal government. It's a great way to engage students. That's what I also discovered. Teachers are always looking for that kind of silver bullet, right? How do you keep students hungry for what you're teaching them and excited and yeah. interested and engaged in the course? And these are issues that, that matter to students and their families. A lot of local right. government issues from, from local education issues to, to public safety, um, you know, police issues, um, speeders on my street, um, of course, um, uh, the situation with folks who are experiencing homelessness. Um, mm -hmm. These are all things that impact our students that our local governments have incredible control or say right. in. So that was one issue and then, or one reason. And then I, I work in a district that has really encouraged and empowered teachers to engage students in, in their communities through civic engagement. And that comes from our school board and from our superintendent, Mike Matsuda, who has absolutely encouraged us, hey, engage in the community, engage with local politics. So many right. different reasons. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I tell my students, uh, you know, I, I love introducing politics where you can actually make a difference. Yes. 
And it is hard to say that is true at the federal level. Oh, for sure. I mean, students can go to city council meetings. I invite our our representative into our classroom every year and he comes and stays the whole day and and eats lunch with the kids and answers those questions. And these aren't softball questions. These are, these are hard hitting questions that, that kids are asking and that they're engaging with. So it's so accessible to kids and to students. So it's a great way to engage. Yeah. So uh, what are your students thinking about Proposition 18? (laughs) What would it mean to them to be able to actually put your lessons into action and voting in the primary election? Well, uh, I will come out and say I support it. Uh, I support the proposition. Um, And I think it makes sense that students who would be legally able to vote in the general should be able to participate in the primary. Now, um, I want to say, and I think most people who study politics or government know, the 18 to 25 voting group is the lowest turnout in our country. Right. So I think anything that engages or encourages young people to vote is a positive thing. Um, I think students... um, High school students, we're talking about 17-year-olds here, they're going to be in a government class. It's a requirement for graduation in California. So if we're talking about in California, primaries taking place in March, mm-hmm. which I think now that's our, our general For primary, now. Right. My uh, answer yeah, this entire year is for now. For now. Well, I think people, most students will have completed or in the middle of taking a government class. So... You know, I, I would argue they're pretty informed at that point, at, at 17, mm-hmm. certainly in March of an election year. Um, so I do think students would feel empowered if they chose to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really important that we send um, that message to to young people. I think voting is like a rite of passage in a democratic society. Um, and I think it kind of sends that message, hey, come and participate, right? I think we should make it a big deal to kids, like getting your driver's license. Hey, now is your chance, right, to right. throw your hat in the ring. You know, it's interesting. We debate this topic every year, as I would mentioned to you, um, that you would think 100% of high school students would support this, but that's not necessarily true. And I, some of them do have the same concerns that I think some adults would have. Well, yeah. would they take it seriously in those times? And, and that's the, the only opposition I found. I don't think there's going to be a lot of money. I don't think there are going to be a lot of ads. Uh, and so one of the purposes of this podcast is kind of educate people about what these propositions are, because it is a long ballot. Um, but the opposition I could find is from Election Integrity Project California that says 17-year-olds are legal minors. Under that definition, they're still considered children. They are almost all still living at home and under the strong influence of their parents. This is not conducive to independent thought and voting without undue pressure from their immediate superiors. 17-year-olds will almost always be in high school and under the strong influence of their teachers. This, again, would make it less likely that they would be expressing their own independently thought-out choices where they allowed to vote. And so what's your response to that argument? (laughs) I have a a few Um, responses myself as both a parent and a teacher (laughs) about this immense power that I supposedly Um, have. Well, a couple of things come to mind there. Um, I would argue any adult 
can be under the influence of other people they live with, first of all, you know, your spouse or your parents. So I don't think, um, so I don't know that I think that's very persuasive argument um, to me at least. And I don't know, I also want to say, I don't think 17 year olds cognitively are that different from an 18 year old. I don't know that a regular, a light switch turns on in my classroom. They're, they're pretty similar. I also want to say, I think it's a bit insulting to a 17 year old, the person who, who fashioned that statement. And I also wonder if people, the people who wrote that ever interact with them that much. (laughs) I find them to be pretty independent minded and frankly, quite skeptical of things that anybody in any position of power tells them. Yeah. I think this generation, you know, I started to see it. I'm an, I'm a Gen Xer. Um, and I started to see it with the millennials, but I really see it with Gen Z. These kids ask a lot of questions and they know how to do research. They know how to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's so much out there about, you know, misinformation and propaganda. And it's something that concerns us a lot in public ed. And it's something we're working on is how do you teach students to uh, determine bias or detect bias, right? Um, And I think our kids are pretty good about that. So I I think, again, yes, you're always concerned about young people. And and I, I can see they are legally minors, but... But, uh, but again, so under this proposition, it would doing. be about 17 and a half. Yeah. I, again, I think most of those kids, again, in California, and we're talking about California here, mm-hmm. um, are, are, are probably, I would say, I think I've seen some research that they're a little more educated about how government operates and government works. Because yeah. again, they're, they're fresh out of government classes or they're immersed in a government class right. at that point. So. I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I think, <laughs> ask any parent how, how much pressure, how much, how much can they, um, you yeah. know, influence the independent thought of their 17 year old teen. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, look at the BLM movements right now. A lot of those are young people out there leading the charge, right? Yes. No, it just, I, I think people aren't giving 17 and a half year olds credit. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're not the first to come up with this idea. There are 23 states plus the District of Columbia that already allow 17-year-olds to participate in primary elections or Democratic caucuses where the party gets to make those rules if they will be 18 by the general election. Um, so supporters say that new voters will be engaged with issues if they participate in a mm-hmm. full election cycle. Um, we have in Orange County a number of local offices that aren't on the general election. So, you know, if, if your birthday was March 6th and you didn't get to vote in the March 3rd election, you didn't get to vote for Orange County Supervisor. You didn't get to vote for Orange County Board of Education. And it turns out we've recently learned that those are pretty important positions. Um, so what do you think would happen if Prop 18 passed and more students were eligible to vote in the next primary election in 2022? Um, well, first of all, I want to say that was a great point that you made about, and I'd forgotten that not every um, office is on the general ballot. So there's another great point there. Um, I think if it's passed, we'll see a slight uptick in the youth vote. I, I don't know that I would expect a tidal wave because the historical data doesn't tend to support that. If you look back at when the 
vote was extended to 18 year olds. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't see a tidal wave of 18, 19 and 20 year olds voting. Um, however, um, you know, like you said earlier with 2020, everything's in play. And, and I do wonder if, um, you know, by and large, my students do not support the president. And um, this is going to be a huge election uh, in November. And so, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of interest. Um, so now, that opponents might... would say they don't support the president because you are indoctrinating them with liberal propaganda. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I that's something that's, I hear it, of course, I hear that. Um, I, of course, I, I would say, if I can get my students to read the book. Right. I, you know, I, I would say to that, um, you know, I, I, I guess it's it, people are going to say that, right. I come into my classroom and I would say if anything, um, you know, and I, I adopt a neutral stance that's something government teachers really grapple with. So um, I, I would say if you asked my students, they would maybe guess I was a Trump supporter because, or a Republican certainly because I, I often have to give them that perspective because it's not apparent in the classroom if students mm-hmm. are talking. Does that make sense? And I do yes. want them to. I, I, I don't want to devil's say, advocate. Exactly. Devil's advocate. I don't want to say 100% of my students uh, don't support the president. There yeah. are supporters of the president. But I, I think people have to look at bigger pictures than just say you are indoctrinating students. Yeah. In the end, in the end, I get them for 55 minutes a day. Right. So I, I don't know how much that is indoctrinization. Yeah. Um, to I, get I back actually, to your question, to, to, yeah. or to get back to that, right. one of the things I do wonder, or I do think, is if more progressive candidates um, will be in play. Um, because that is a pattern I do see um, with young people. And this is a pattern that's discussed in government textbooks as well. So I don't think it's teachers indoctrinating. Younger people tend to be a little more liberal, a little more progressive um, in their political attitudes. So that might influence it a little bit. Um, I also think you might see youth issues become more important. Um, Nothing is more important to my students than the cost of college education. Mm-hmm. And so, and you know, it gets more play. It's it's gotten more play in the last couple of years. Um, but but I, I, you know, things that matter to young people. I think a lot of times to my students when we study current events, federal uh, policy, it seems to them it's dominated by issues that affect older people. And right. I, you know, one of my mantras to kids is, "Well, they vote. Right. They vote. So politicians listen to who." Right. And seniors vote, and they vote in mass. Right. So that that kind that's what kind of is behind my thought that we might see the the rise of issues that matter to young people, mm-hmm. maybe childcare issues, right? As they think about families, or sure, how do we, you know, saving for that house in a, in a market like Orange County, where you know three bedroom two paths are going for what now seven hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand, right? Right. So right. I do think that we might see that. Sure. Good. So what's your prediction? <laughs> what are the voters of California going to do? Will they pass uh, this? Well, can I, can I hedge my bets on this? I, sure. <laughs> sure. There's, by the way, it will, yeah. will be like the pundits on TV. There's no penalty for right, being wildly right. wrong. So I think, again, it's a major election in our history. The, the 2020 um, November elections 
are, I think almost, I almost wonder if they're going to be kind of a realigning election. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are going to go to the polls. Um, California tends to have a, a pretty good history of, I would say recently more so expanding voting rights. So I think as long as people understand, I think a lot of it comes down to <laughs> education. Um, if people understand we're talking only about giving people who would be eligible to vote in the general, to vote in primaries, that will make a lot of sense to people. Um, but you and I both know voters aren't always the best at understanding the nuance, especially right. propositions. Right. Um, and like you had said earlier, you don't think there's going to be a lot of money spent on this one. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to lean towards no, just okay. because I'm, I, I think that's the safe one. I want it to, like I said, at the top of the yeah. podcast, I want it to, I, I think it's a great idea. Maybe that's my government teacher coming through because, frankly, it would make it only easier, I think, when right. I say to kids, hey, you're all about to vote, right? right. So let's Pay make attention. sure you're prepared. And we yeah. do do major projects around elections and things like that, too. So, um, I, so but I don't I, – I, you know it's what I'm worried about, Dr. Palma? What I'm worried about is <laughs> – 18 and 19 and 20 and 21 and 22 year olds will vote against it. That <laughs> they'll be the ones that no, 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 right? Yeah. That oh, we can't trust these young kids. Or, right. Because I hear that a lot from the kids when we debate this in class as well. I know my I wouldn't trust my friend so and so to cast right. the vote, right? So right. well, right. it'll be interesting. I will certainly look at the data on that after it all comes out. Who voted yes, who voted no, right? Right, right. It's always <laughs> fun to look at the data. So. Right. So uh, I just had a couple of questions about you and a couple of questions that I ask everybody who I interview, which is, um, what's the best advice you've ever gotten? <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to be honest. This is going to sound really practical. Um, All right. The, the best advice I ever got was from my first department chair. And when he, I got hired and was getting ready to fill out the paperwork. He said, honey, start saving for your retirement right now. You'll never miss the money. And, oh, I love Mr. Cross, rest your soul. I think about it all the time. Great advice. And, and I, I didn't ha grow up in a family where that was talked about. So mm -hmm. retirement, I don't know anything about that. Right? right. So I appreciate that. And I love them every time I get my little retirement. Um, Good advice. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's boring and no, it's no, no, no. But um, someday hey, another, people, another people will be answering say... this question by saying that podcast, Mrs. Majewski said. <laughs> I do say it to all my students. Hey, yes. Can I give another better one or maybe a good one? Um, I I heard it from a teacher, and I say to my student teachers, err on the side of compassion always. With nice. Your, with your nice. I like both of those. You got a practical yeah. one and you'll be able to be very compassionate when you have yes. money in your retirement. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. My, my grandmother's advice along that line, and she lived to be 102 and a half. Uh, and she said, if you're going to be old, you might as well be rich. <laughs> I like and that I thought, yeah, 
So I like that one too. I like that a lot. She was a high school teacher who I think retired in 1969 with, I think making $15,000 a year. And she uh, had a very nice retirement because she had always saved. So that was a nice. nice. And when you, when you start it before you ever get your first paycheck, you never miss it. You never miss it. That's the thing. That's what he was telling me. I took his advice and he's right. I've never missed it because I never had it. (laughs) Right. So uh, this might be one with multiple answers as well, but what's one book you like to recommend to people? Um, It could be a classic. It could be what you're reading. I'm going to come out of left field on this one. I don't know if you've ever heard of Devil in the White City. Yes. By Eric Larson. And so I want good. To, and you know, the reason it, it pops into mind is I swear to you, I have recommended it to 15 people in my life and every single person calls me. Oh my God, Michelle, I loved that book. And they recommend it yes. to other people and people still talk to me about it. Now I was raised just North of Chicago. Okay. So everything in that book. Yeah. I appealed to me and I recognize landmarks, but even people who've never even been to Chicago love that. I've book. never been to Chicago and I love it. And it yes. felt like I knew the city. Oh, yes. Yeah. It was amazing. I've read every other book Eric Larson has ever written. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a hopeful message for our students. Mm, hopeful. Young um, folks looking at 2020. Well, uh, you know, I, I, my hopeful message is you are learning incredible, incredible skills that will serve you well throughout your life. And I know things might seem just upside down right now and terrible right now, but I, you will come through it and you will come through it mm-hmm. as better people. I, with incredible skills. And I'm talking about the self, the soft skills here, right? That, sure. that, that kind of, um, that grit and that determination and that resilience, um, resilience. That's really it. That, that, you know, we're all in this, we're all in this. It's, mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing to think about too, is, is talk to people, right? Reach out and, and make sure that you're staying connected. I think yeah. that's huge, especially for young people. Right. I think um, they internalize things and they don't have the same maybe right. skills that adults have. So um, make those connections. Keep talking to your friends and family and 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 yeah, you will you will get through this. People care about you. That's the other thing. Right. Is we yes. care about you. Yes. We care, I care about my students. I think about them a lot. I, you know, right. How are they doing? What are they doing? I'm on right. remind with my students. So we can still kind of communicate mm-hmm. with each other. But I think that's important. Don't self-isolate. Yeah, I think that's great. So finally, uh, who or what should the podcast cover next? Mm-hmm. Well, what I, should we cover are you, are you going to cover, um, are you going to cover, well, number one, I would love to um, hear from, young people who are in involved in the current George Floyd um, BLM protests and how it's impacting, how they feel it's impacting local politics. That would be very interesting to me. Who, who are you getting responses from? What have responses Mm -hmm. been? Um, 
because I really think these could be pretty massive game changers yeah. um, or could lead to massive things. So I'd love to know that. How, yeah. how is that working? Um, you know, I, I have, I have my interview wish list from uh, voice of OC, one of my favorite local media outlets. Oh yes. Um, did a great story about some of these amazing young folks that are leading the movements yeah. in Orange I, County. So I'm hoping to bring them on and talk to them. Yes, I think that'd be great. And then, of course, just the propositions. I mean, affirmative action, right, is going to yeah. be on the ballot. That's a we're going to cover topic. all twelve. Right, that's a hot topic. Certainly with yeah. students, it's a hot topic. Sure, so. sure. Yeah, good. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I love spending my morning with you. So, um, this is Slice of Orange, a podcast on North Orange County politics. I'm Jody Balma, and I thank you for listening.